From Wine Insiders, this is Sniff, Sip, Repeat, a monthly podcast for lively discussions all about wine. In each episode, we speak with industry experts from vineyards and tasting rooms to restaurant and retail to give you a little inspiration for what to pour next. I'm your host, Sumner Levesque, sitting in for Kristen. As the IT specialist for Wine Insiders, you would think that I'm better qualified to talk about why your computer's giving you a hard time than, let's say, a specific vintage of Cabernet Sauvignon. And well, you'd be right. However, since working in the wine industry, I've become more and more interested in learning how to better appreciate wine. And to do that, I've invited the founder and executive director of the Boston Wine School, Jonathan Alsop, to join me in an educational wine tasting. We try three unique wines while Jonathan helps me better understand and appreciate the world of wine. It's a fun, unique episode, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, Jonathan, thank you uh, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So I wanted to start off by just uh, talking about yourself, your background, um, how you got into wine, like where your passion for wine comes from. Well, I started life as a corporate uh, speechwriter. Uh, doing uh, speeches, uh, soundtracks, screenplays, sales meetings, that kind of thing. And um, years ago, I was uh, writing a big international sales meeting, and the Australian-New Zealand wing of the company decided that they wanted to host this Australian-New Zealand wine and food night. Um, And I was writing everything else, so it was just natural that I would write this, although I'd I'd never written about wine, I'd never written about food um, before. You know, we needed needed signs, we needed handouts, we needed uh, tasting sheets and tasting notes um, for people. And that was the first time that I ever tasted wine technically and then turned around and, and, and wrote about it. What inspired you to start the Boston Wine School and to teach others about enjoying wine and, and about the world of wine? Uh, well, I um, had, again, sort of, sort of um, unexpectedly, an opportunity to teach about wine. Um, I knew someone who worked at Brookline um, Adult Education, Adult and Community Education. Um, and she called me one day and said, hey, have you ever thought about teaching a wine class? And I said, you know, that's really funny that you mentioned that because I have thought about teaching a wine class. And she said, that's awesome. How's Thursday? Because the, the guy who was teaching the wine class Thursday, he can't do it. And, I'm, and I need someone Thursday. And, and totally unexpected. And I said, sure. Taught that first class and just, you know, seeing people, um, seeing them experience the same thing that I, I experienced when I visit vineyards and wineries and taste wine and learn about wine this relentless process of the of the of the light bulb going off over top of your head and also being able to look out at three or four people and watch that happen like you know like fireflies um across the people or classroom that's in that's in front of you um that's 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 just the most awesome thing um and to have people say that, that, you know, they came into wine class one person and now they're leaving wine class a different person than they came in. It was just um, an amazing thing to witness. When you are teaching uh, about wine to new students, because I'm, I'm a new student in this case, um, what do you 
teach as far as like how to enjoy the wine? Like what are some goals that you have for your students when they're trying wine for the first time and getting used to different aromas and palate and taste? One of the things that we do with people is some of the elements of technical wine tasting. Our approach is 99% hedonistic, but there's also also some technical wine tasting elements that we teach that really help people. Um, You know, the 7S system that we teach, seeing the wine, sniffing it, swirling it, smelling it, all of these steps in this process are designed to turn up the volume on the smell and taste of the wine, just like the audiophiles and the people who love sound in your Mm -hmm. life always are playing the stereo a little bit too loud. This is what wine lovers are doing. They're swirling this glass to try and get, to turn turn up the volume on the aroma to be able to get more out of it and to be able to get deeper into it. We're we're turning the Um, volume up to 11 by swirling it around. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes um, one, I mean, one of the things we do is, um, and this is great. Once we start eating out in restaurants and going places and doing things again, you have to do this is that in addition to um, in addition to swirling the wine, you put your hand over top of the glass so Mm. that you really trap everything that's evaporating. You trap in there that turns it up to 11. Um, And it's also cool because other wine people are watching you around the restaurant and then they all start doing it and um you know (laughs) it becomes like live and viral i never thought about that but that makes a lot of sense like to cover it up because it's like yeah you are you want to compact it you want to get as much out of it like as i i have tried just you know swirling it myself and Mm -hmm. smelling and trying to taste and and kind of swirling the wine within my mouth and, and trying to get you know maybe some more nuanced aromas or flavors Right. Um, you know, out of each, each sip. And uh, um... so one thing I would say is um, like not all wine is uh, super nuanced. Um, when we're tasting New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, that is awesomely acidic and zippy mm. and grapefruit and star fruit and lemon lime and all of these sorts of things. There's not, there's not a lot of subtle nuance there in that wine. Um, Pinot Grigio, you know, um, you know, most Pinot Grigio is very, is very vivid, very forward. And um, what I would say is focus on what's in the foreground. For now, forget about the background. Let's just focus on the loudest instruments that are shining through when we smell or taste a wine and just put a few words to those. Um, we don't have to, we don't have to write, you know, we don't have to write war and peace here. You know, if we can just say like just a couple of coherent sentences, that's, that's more than, and you're talking about you, you're talking about how, what you like and how it, how it strikes you. And if this is the right wine for you, um, you're really talking about yourself, which most people, you know, find irresistible. Yeah. So, so for today, we're, we're going to start with, uh, my version of lined paper and trying to draw an A over and over again (laughs) in the world of wine tasting. (laughs) So this first wine we're trying is, it's got a long name uh, for me at least, uh, is a Cantina di Solopaca Maria Cristiana Falangina Sparkling Brut. 
so the Falangia, and I'm probably mispronouncing that grape. I apologize no, to everyone no. who's listening. That that's 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 Falangina is the name. That's the name of the grape that oh, this great. wine is made from. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. So so I so I would call this I would call this Maria Cristina. This is and this is a sparkling Falangina. Gotcha. Okay. So so in this case, like because even though it says it's it's more you want to, it would be more focusing on the specific grape here because this is like an ancient grape, correct? This is a, an Italian yes. ancient grape. First of all, this is one of the things that I am totally loving about this wine is that ancient Romans were writing about this grape 2,500 years ago. And oh, at okay. the time they, they were reporting at the time it was a thousand years old then. Oh, so, wow. so this grape Falangina I mean, this is a grape that we have been making into wine relentlessly in this part of Italy. This is the this is the hills and the countryside around um, Naples, mm. um, which is which is the only place on the planet where this grape grows. Um, and so we have this ancient, ancient grape and we're doing something extremely modern with it, which is turning it into a sparkling uh, wine which is just awesome. This ancient grape with this totally modern, almost postmodern expression of form, mm. you know, that's coming out, that's coming out of the popularity of Prosecco, coming out of the popularity of Spanish Cava, um, uh, coming out of the popularity of all of these wines with CO2 in them. Yeah. Um, you know, this is something that I don't know that our species has ever done before with this grape. So even though this is an ancient, ancient grape, I, I, I believe we're, you know, we're, we're, we're making it sparkling. We're carbonating it for the first time in our, our history, I believe. So, so not only, so not only am I trying a wine just to understand how wine works, I am also trying like possibly a historic invention of wine <laughs> like this is well, like oh have you been on a plane before it's like no okay well let's go fly the concord <laughs> uh, i you know i work this will stay more or less at sea level so i think that um mm, i think you should be very very i think you should be very very safe with this wine so i've noticed like i'm at the very the limits of knowledge i have i i have the wine glass up at the like the light and it looks like it's kind of like a lighter maybe like yellow greenish color mm -hmm. this is more of a lighter wine but that is naturally what you start thinking when okay. you look at this color and you know just and again just the way it moves in the glass um you know it's okay. not it it's not moving in the glass you know as if it were maple syrup and like thick and nectary right, right? you can see as it moves in the glass it's very light and again, that sets your expectation for what the wine is going to taste like, what the wine is going to feel like, what's going to be the emotional, what's going to be the emotional quality of the wine. Gotcha. All right. So I've got, I've got my wine glass here. I'm going to do the, the, the Jonathan move here of putting my hand on top and I'm going to swirl it. Okay, here we go. I'm swirling. This is, this is the part that you're just listening to is and, very exciting, and, I imagine. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and don't be shy. Really, really get this thing going. If you're okay. splashing some on yourself, that is just a sign that you're doing it right. Even better. Really okay. want to 
got to get myself involved with the wine here. And then, and then get, and when, then when you smell it, get your nose way down in there. Do not be shy. All right, here we go. Oh wow. Okay. So, I I think I smelled apple. Mm-hmm. It seems kind of citrusy, um, mm -hmm. but like very like it feels like it's almost like it kind of woke me up a little bit. Like it's like lively. Uh huh. Um, that was great. I, I highly recommend putting your hand on top of your glass of wine. That that made it, <laughs> made it much well, better. Well, well, when you're smelling wine, what you're smelling is what's evaporating from the surface of the wine. And if you swirl it, now you have a larger surface area that that surface is in motion. And when you put your hand on top of it, you are trapping that what's evaporating in there and concentrating it um, a little bit. Um, it, um, it's a more intense aroma. It's more, more detailed. Mm. Um, mo most people find that it lasts just like in the dimension of time, it lasts longer. That, oh, that, gotcha. that you, that not only is it stronger, but it lasts longer so that you're experiencing it for a longer period of time and have more reaction to, to it and more to say about it. Um, this is why we do this. It is not just to alienate normal people, um, although although it do, it's great for that and definitely definitely does that too. Um, I was going to say, as, know, we're doing... <laughs> as a normal person, this is this makes me feel like I I've got a foot up on the other normal people. <laughs> so I'm going to taste it now. Now, okay. when I'm tasting it, like because I know like people kind of I I I have observed people like sipping it kind of like as if they're sipping hot soup and then like kind of swirling it around their mouth do you have any technique well, what's so what now this is a, for so, this? Okay. so this is is a sparkling wine so um in general what we want to do is we just want to take like a little sip of this in our mouths and just let it be there and okay. live with it for for a bit something like this that's carbonated you don't necessarily want to swish it around too much Right, because it's going to excite that carbonation and you know come right out your nose. Yeah. So you don't want to do that necessarily with sparkling wine, but with but with you know we're going to taste this riesling next, which is much lighter in flavor than this sparkling wine. Right, yeah. and that's something yeah. that and that's something that you might want to swish around more to turn the flavor up more. Sparkling wine usually doesn't need that. So mm. so so take a sip of this. All right. Let it All be right. in your mouth for a few moments. Just live with it, and um, and, and and I don't know if you, I don't know if you have a spit glass there, but make it disappear um, with the technique <laughs> of your choice. So, wow. My first thought is it's like it. I don't know if this is a wine note, but it tastes elegant to me. Mm -hmm. It's nice. Like I'm not sure because I, I know like wines can have like a nice finish. I don't mm -hmm. know if that technically would qualify as a nice finish, but it definitely, uh -huh. it wasn't like, the flavor wasn't ex like really strong, bold, right in my face, mm -hmm. but it also wasn't subdued. It could almost, it almost tasted like checking into a, a really nice hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And, and, and everything is taken care of. You're going to have a great yeah. trip. This is, you yes. know, it'll be fine. Um, I know this also... We've been I making this wine for 3,000 years. Now we put bubbles in it. What can go wrong? Yeah, right? That's, that, that's, exa that's exactly the emotional quality. Um, 
and that's what and that's one of the things that 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 makes this wine great i mean it's something you know something i've never tasted before i mean it's just part of this constantly renewing world of wine and wine ideas yeah and i and i looked into this wine a little bit it's been described to have hints of exotic fruits anarcha apples mingled with yellow flowers um and I could definitely taste apple for sure. Like it seems like a very strong kind of apple. It's right. got some like kind of a little bit of citrus, not a ton of citrus. Um, people, so Falangina, people talk about um, golden, delicious apple, mm. uh, pear, melon, you know, mel- like honeydew, like white melon. These are the things that you're describing. These are exactly the words that people use to describe Falangina. So oh, yeah, absolutely. Other wines I've had, like you have them and like, it's like, okay, that's what it tastes like and it's done. But this wine, and maybe this is because it's a better wine after tasting it, even afterwards, like kind of breathing in and out, it even still like continues, like the flavor still goes on. Like the, this apple kind of like nice velvety carpet (laughs) flavor continues on. Carpet may not be the best way to describe flavor. (laughs) This is what you were referring to before about this wine's finish. Mm. is that when we break this uh, tasting process down a little bit and slow it down a little bit, yeah, what happens is we begin to have a beginning and a middle and an end. We have an arc to the experience of tasting the wine. And what you're describing now is that you tasted the wine and, and minutes later, you're having like a little aftershock of flavor because you're still changing biochemically, you're still in the process of change, even okay. though you've swallowed this wine or spat this wine or whatever you've done with it. You are still you are you are still being biochemically affected by it. And even though it's minutes later, this is what you're this is what you're experiencing. This is one of the things that, this this is why we this is why we like to slow down a little bit if we can and break this wine tasting process down into some distinct steps because we may be tasting wine after wine after wine. So once we taste one, we need to regroup and then have a beginning, a middle and end when we taste the second one and the third one and the fourth one and however, however many we might be lucky enough to taste. So with this wine, what kind of foods would you pair with this wine? I've, I've gotten written down that it might complement Italian charcuterie like buffalo mozzarella, some soft cheeses, totally. salami, salami. Yeah, so, um, totally. I mean, this this is something that would pair great with that food as food. Um, mm. It it compare it pairs great with that food as the time of day that you have that food, right? This right. is something that you know you've been working. You get together, you know, before you order dinner, before you figure out what you're doing with the rest of the night. You have a little, you have a little cheese. You have a little bread. You have a little charcuterie. You open this. Right. It, um, it's it's per- it's perfect. It's perfect for the sequence of what you're setting up for food, too. Um, I think it's also going to be awesome with with I mean, I, I'm a big fan of raw bar oysters, mussels, clams, mm, okay. all of that kind of thing. I think this would be awesome with that. Falangina is a very strong wine, but quite strong and forward in flavor. Um, so this is the kind of thing that depending on how you did um, a pork recipe or um, a swordfish, a, sh- um, a tuna, shark, 
you know, a, a stronger white uh, meat, maybe even some veal, you know, something, uh, something like that. Okay. Um, this, this could, this could go along with that. Um, this could go along with that too. In the wine world, we use this word flexible. We talk about a wine being flexible. This is something that you can drink alone. Um, and I don't mean like alone and sad, you know, with the shades drawn. Right. I mean, yeah. just alone without food. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. also something that's very flexible. You could have this with raw bar. You could have this with chicken. You could have this with a lot of things. So it's very, very flexible wine. And awesome. uh, we love it. Well, let's move on to the next wine. So this next wine, um, I understand it's kind of a unique take on Riesling. It's a 2020 Tuzco Riesling, uh, which for those that are listening, just in case, um, this wine is available through Wine Insiders. It is a club exclusive wine. um, So it is available when you do join the Wine Insiders Club. So just as a... uh, just mentioning when you're looking for this wine, uh, that's where you'll find it uh, with Wine Insiders. But from what I understand, Riesling is a German grape. However, this is not a German grape. This is a Hungarian grape. Yes, this is a Riesling from Hungary. Um, Not too surprisingly, this is from a part of Southern Hungary Um, That is a historically German-speaking part um, of Hungary. Um, Hungary used to be part of of this larger Austro-Hungarian empire, um, and uh, the language of this empire was overwhelmingly uh, German, and that's how how this part of Hungary got its Riesling, uh, which is traditionally um, a German grape. Although you see also Riesling grown in Northern Italy. Uh, you also see Riesling grown in Austria and other, other, other uh, um, uh, proto-German um, uh, overlapping uh, cultural regions uh, too. So it's not just in Germany, but it's definitely, it's definitely a Germanic um, grape. So this is a dry Riesling. Um, this is a Riesling with very, very little sugar um, left in it. Um, so this is something that people, when it comes to understanding Riesling, it's not so much about understanding Riesling, it's more about understanding yourself. What do you mm. prefer in a Riesling? Do you like one that is utterly bone dry with zero mm. sugar? Do you like a little bit of sugar? Do you like a lot of sugar? I mean, this is a very, this is very personal, you know, this is a very personal individual thing. Uh, but when you go looking for Riesling, you have to be able to say that. You have to say, hey, I'm looking for Riesling. And about me, I like totally dry Riesling. Or about me, I like a sweeter Riesling. You have to know that about yourself and be able to say that to get, to, you know, to, to get something close to a good um, selection. Gotcha. So this, uh, looking at the color of this, again, like, you know, swirling it around, it looks like it's definitely, it looks lighter, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, because it is a white wine. Um, yeah. and white kind of wine, more of a green tint. And, yeah. And colder and colder climate. Okay. So, so, so not only a lighter grape, like Falangina is maybe a darker skinned grape mm. with darker juice to begin with. But now we've got a lighter grape also grown farther north in a colder climate. Interesting. And that's going to, and that's, we expect the color to be a little lighter too because of that. And then this one, I'm going to, I'm going to swirl around and I'm, and I'm here, I'm going to do the Jonathan here. I'm going to 
I'm calling it the Jonathan now. I don't know if this yeah. is the technical term for putting your Thank hand on you. your phone. <laughs> for those at home, try the Jonathan. I highly, yeah. highly recommend the Jonathan. Um, all right, so swirling around, and now I'm going it helps to if you're It helps if you're a little ambidextrous. That is actually true. I do smell apple again with this one, but it's kind of more like minerals, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, that seems kind of, uh, I don't know if like earthy would be. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't, I can't prove this now, of course. Yeah. But what I was thinking was, um, you know, right after it rains on a sidewalk, it's aromatic and lifting, right? It's coming up out of, off the sidewalk, um, but it's stony and chalky. And this is reminding me a little bit of that. It rained recently here. And I'm, I'm in Southern California in the Los Angeles mm -hmm. area. So we don't know what rain is. Mm -hmm. But so when it happens, it's unusual. Uh, but the next day it wasn't raining. Um, and my girlfriend and I, you know, uh, looking outdoors, I, I was like, oh, hey, it rained last night. She's like, no, it didn't, you know. And I don't think she said no, it didn't. But she was like, oh, like surprised. And I was like, oh no, go to, go to the window and, and smell. And instantly, like she like smelled and she's like, oh yeah, it rained. It's like, it's got that, it's yeah. a very specific smell. And I, I like yes. that smell a lot. It's like kind of sort of refreshing, but it's like kind of resetting. It kind of like, it's almost meditative, uh, mm -hmm. that type of smell. Um, and yeah, like in a, in a nice way, I do smell that in this wine as well. Like it, that's why I was thinking like, maybe it's minerals or rock earth. Um, yeah, but that, and that's to, and that's totally and that's a totally legitimate way to talk about it. Some some people smell dust. We'll, we'll describe oh, it as smelling dusty, and it's that airborne, like aromatic. You know, imagine dumping a shovel full of gravel, and the way that gravel dust kicks up when you do that. But not sweet. Not this is not a sweet riesling. Okay. Um, you know, th this is a riesling that would usually would not think that a Pinot Grigio person would be a Riesling person. Riesling, we think of stereotypically as being sweet. Pinot Grigio, we think of as being very dry, very edgy, very citrusy. This Riesling, this Hungarian Riesling, this is a Riesling that a Pinot Grigio person or a Sauvignon Blanc person could potentially go for. This is what happens when you take the sugar down and you have a, this, this sugar-free exp expression of this Riesling grape. Well, speaking of down, bottoms up, I'm going to drink this and see what happens here. Oh, that's nice. It, it is like, you're right. It's definitely not sweet, but it's like mm -hmm. very, it's very pleasant it, to me. It, it, it's cool that you, I'm really glad you brought up the imagery of like rain and the smell of like sidewalk, mm -hmm. like kind of rocky that you do mm -hmm. get that in this and yeah. like the flavor in it. Um, and it's like, it's almost feel like, like you, You've taken a cold shower, sort of. I know that's not, you know, that might be jolting for some, but you got out of the shower and you feel yeah. kind of refreshed and alive a little bit, but also yeah. then you go outside and it's kind of like a little bit overcast sort of, and, and there's a lot of trees around and it's a nice, like calming meditative moment. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I described, I described this white wine as bracing, mm, right. Okay. And like, um, as you, as you, as you described, like coming out of the shower into a, into a cool room. Yeah, yeah. Um, de definitely, definitely like that. Um, and and another thing that I love about this wine is that it challenges our preconceptions about what we think we know about Riesling. We mm. think we know that Riesling is sweet wine, and guess what? It isn't. 
And this is one of the things, it isn't necessarily, sometimes it is, of course, but there's so much more to know about it. Um, this is another thing we love about this wine, that it challenges these ideas that we think about what we think we know, in this case about the Riesling grape or just about wine in general. And you got to love that. So as far as pairings go, I have some notes here. Some, um, mm. One of them that I thought was interesting was fish tacos with pickled jalapenos. Yes. Which I thought yes. was, that's an interesting choice. Um, also, raw oysters came up with this one. Uh, right. Pan seared pork chops, right. grilled shrimp, and then roasted root vegetables mm -hmm. um, also came up. Seems like a kind of a wide range of different foods, actually, now that I'm, <laughs> now that I'm saying well, it out loud. One of the classic flavor matches with Riesling is smoke. Oh, uh, smoked pork, smoked salmon, smoked oh, cheeses. Riesling can be tough to pair overtly with a certain dish or a certain uh, type of food. But this smoke component, which we see in the pork chops, um, you know, prosciutto, the, you know, the German speck, the smoked prosciutto, awesome match with Rieslings. Hmm. Um, and a lot of, and a lot of vegetables, grilled vegetables, roast vegetables, um, that sort of thing. There's a thousand different uh, German ways to cook potatoes. Uh, hmm. But one way is roasted with the, with caraway seeds and hmm. that, that nutty roasted caraway flavor with the potato, with the Riesling, absolutely okay. fantastic. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, good, good wine choice for the vegetarian slash vegan slash meat, meatless, meat-free people in your life. Yeah, um, absolutely. Definitely. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to not put this wine away. I'm going to drink the rest of this glass. This <laughs> is very good. Um, and I'm going to prepare the last bottle that we have right. here. This is a 2017 George Philip Sellers Lodi Cabernet Sauvignon. And I will mm -hmm. say, before even diving into this wine in particular, information about this wine, that kind of thing, as soon as I took the cork out, instantly smelled yes. the wine. It's, yes. it's ready to talk. <laughs> it's I... ready to get it. <laughs> <laughs> this wine is, I mean... You can you can smell this wine from a distance. You know, one of the ways we talk about um, a big red wine would be to say it's very forward. Okay. And this and this is one of the signs of a really forward wine that these aromas are really escaping and are and are streaming forward out of the glass. Yeah. Um, so super aromatic, super forward, loving it already, uh, just smelling it from a distance. I haven't swirled it yet, but the first thing I got was jam. Mm, and I was yes. not expecting jam. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say blackberry, raspberry, mm. mulberry, you know, like mashed up all together. So if you think about French Cabernet in the Bordeaux region, mm -hmm. that is on about the same latitude as North Central Nova Scotia. So Bordeaux Cabernet is grown like southern canada northern maine sort of latitudes napa 500 miles south of boston mm -hmm. you know the same grape grown in a much hotter much sunnier much more intense climate that's napa that's sonoma this is lodi lodi is about 
I'm going to, I'm going to say Lodi is probably 30 or 40 miles inland from Napa, Mm -hmm. farther from the ocean, much hotter. And we taste the heat in this wine straight away. The, The ripeness, the awesome ripeness, the jamminess that you were pointing out, that is, that is, that is hot, hot climate Cabernet. You taste a French Cabernet side by side with this, and it's going to be completely different emotional quality, much less ripe, much less fruity, much more earthy. Mm. And this, because of all of the sun, all of the heat, all of the, all of the, these contributing factors driving its ripeness, this is a new world style wine, classic new world, hot climate style. Lodi is kind of an up and coming wine region. Like it's not mm-hmm. like a traditional wine region. So this even, this wine is even a little bit more special, I guess, with it being from Lodi specifically, as opposed to like, let's say Napa. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a new, it's a new region to discover. And, you know, the question is, how do you like this style? Do you like a more restrained, a more, a more refined, less ripe Cabernet or do you like this sort of overblown crazy crazy cab yeah Um, the crazy cab yeah the crazy cab (laughs) but I mean and this is something that you know if you like this style of cab you can Mm. say to someone hey not necessarily from Lodi but I had cab from Lodi which I liked it was crazy I like that crazy I like the crazy part what else have you got that's like that if it's from Lodi that's fine doesn't have to be from Lodi now you're having a conversation and you're really just this one little bit of information. You're giving a huge, huge amount of information to help, to help have a great conversation and get you some great advice. I'm going to, all right, we're going to Jonathan this, putting my hand over, (laughs) swirling it around. It sounds like it should be a compulsory move in the Olympics. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. That's just, there's so many, especially after, yeah. <laughs> after the, after the Riesling, this smells like an Amer- how an American emotes emotions compared to someone from Eastern Europe. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's, this is our national motto. If it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's, and people, the crit- the criticism of this wine would be that it's, that it's doing too much. Mm. that it would be better to take its foot off the accelerator, settle down a little bit, not try to be so relentlessly awesome. Yeah. Right. You're fine. You just don't know it. You don't have to be this awesome. Um, you're trying too hard. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that would be the criticism of people who do not love this style of wine. The people who love this style of wine, their response is, yeah, but it's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't argue with that. Because it yeah. is, it's it's absolutely, absolutely yummy and delicious. All right, now I'm gonna try it. Let's see how this goes. Oh wow, yeah. Ooh, it's just like <laughs> initially tasting this, it's like got one powerful flavor, and then it almost the flavor even intensifies after a minute. It's almost like all of a sudden there's this enormous bonfire that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, a flavor, yeah. and then it kind of like tapers off ever so slowly but it's like it's like a firework almost it kind of goes up and then you're expecting it you know like oh this is gonna be fun and all of a sudden it explodes and you're like wow that's great it's 
that was wild. Like yeah. compared to over here, we just had this is such a bigger, bolder, fuller experience. Um, the fireworks uh, analogy is super apt for a wine mm-hmm. like this, right? It's just it's it's alive. It's intense. It's it's um, it is it is explosive. You know the flavors aren't laid back. You know this this wine this wine is like not making you do any work in terms of guessing where it's coming from. The, the flavors are forward and intense and, 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 and that's, and that as a generalization, but generally true, mm-hmm. that is new world wine. Okay. So the new world wine is going to be more flavorful. It's going to be bolder typically. Typically. Um, yeah. More fruit, less earth. This is um, the, I feel like out of the three wines we had, this is the one you would definitely bring to a celebration. I mean, you could bring the other ones to a celebration too, but like, right. I feel like, like this, well, actually, you know, now that I think about it, cause I mean, like the Fallen Gia, I guess you would bring to like a typical, like, like if it was kind of a more formal celebration, like right. if it was a sparkling like, wine, a sparkling wine celebration. Yeah. Like um, some, someone, you know, someone's retiring, uh, right. you know, maybe, maybe even graduation or something like that. This, this would be, this would be someone's birthday. This would be like a hot summer night, yeah. Like in Spain, or well, I guess Spain. Why not? You know, we're in Spain now. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a heightened experience. It's a more, it maybe a little bit more wild experience. You know, food, um, food is food is coming off the grill. Yeah, definitely. You know, maybe maybe we're having this with like an elaborate cheese course of like two or three different cheeses and. Yeah, tangy, intense olives. I mean, what the, what's going with what's going with this is intense flavored food, intense conversation, intense people. You know that that's 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 what's good. That's what's going to be matching this really intense um, cabernet. Because the notes I have here um, of like what foods it goes with, it would be like grilled burgers, pizza, chicken, <laughs> mushroom burgers, like. It definitely follows it within like the barbecue aesthetic, like it and like completely. Yeah. It's a, that's quite, that's quite a fun wine. That's, that's like a big, powerful wine. You know, again, the flavors are very strong. The flavors are very intense. There's a lot of like, of like spice and texture and all kinds of stuff going on. You know, you want to, you want to cook something for this. Yeah. You know, you want to, you know, short ribs or, you know, something that you cook forever in a day um to go with this is is going to be you know is going to be perfect so yeah so loving this loving this a lot and again you know this is what makes lodi great i mean all of these lodi zins lodi cabs lodi petite syrah and carignan and other crazy grapes that are coming out of there they've all got this real super ripe expression and super ripe richness to them um, that people absolutely, um, that people absolutely love. Well, um, I think we're coming towards the end of the episode here today. Um, I first want to say thank you so much for doing this, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun for me. And before we go, do you want to talk about what the Boston Wine School is up to? What's coming up for the Boston Wine School? Sure, sure. Um, the for me, the most important thing to know about the Boston Wine School is that we are a, a guaranteed 100% snob-free zone uh, where people come for wine classes. We do corporate 
private corporate wine events. And we've also starting to do some wine travel. Um, we're doing Boston Wine School in Tuscany, and we've got a trip planned for the fall and a trip planned for the spring. Uh, the way we're doing it is um, the week after the tourist season, so that we have Tuscany in the fall more or less to ourselves. And then in the spring, the week before tourist season starts, so we have the same thing in the spring. But uh, bostonwineschool.com, that's where you'll find information about travel and classes and private events. You have a, I know you have a blog. Um, do you have like any like Instagram, Twitter, anything that you use to for social media? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Ab absolutely. Uh, uh, Facebook.com slash Boston Wine School. You can also find Boston Wine School on Instagram. And um, also my uh, blog and my um, infrequent, at least these days, wine writings are at invinoveritas.com. Uh, well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining me today. Thank you. Uh, it was a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you soon. Yeah, let's do it again anytime. Today on the podcast, we tasted three unique wines from around the world. From Italy, the Cantina di Solopaca Maria Cristiana Falangina Sparkling Brute. From Hungary, a 2020 Tusco Riesling. And from Lodi, California, a 2017 George Phillips Cellars Reserve Selection, number 113 Lodi Cabernet Sauvignon. To try these wines, visit WineInsiders.com, leaders in online wine. Get better wine delivered in just days. And for the limited time, users can save 30% off site-wide with the code BOSTON30. That's BOSTON with a capital B, then the numbers 3 and 0 to save 30% off site-wide. Again, BOSTON30 to save 30% off site-wide. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Cheers!